Here we go. Third down from the Bears, 33, 33-27 Chicago. Three members of the Bear. Bears right next to the end zone. Kirk takes the snap. He'll fire into the end zone for Thielen, and it bounces around, and the Bears have intercepted it, or it's incomplete now. It's a Chicago Bears interception, and the interception secured by veteran McManus. Well, 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 that was the final play for the Vikings as they attempted a final comeback in a crushing 33-27 to loss at U.S. Bank Stadium. Welcome to the Vikings.com postgame report. This is Chris Corso, and as always, we bring in Ben Lieber from U.S. Bank Stadium. And Ben, I just got to start off with this opening stat that pretty much summarizes the game and season for the Vikings This is the fifth time that the Vikings have allowed 30 or more points to their opponents in the 2020 season, and they allowed 30 points a total of 14 times in the previous six seasons combined for Mike Zimmer's defense and this Minnesota Vikings team. So, Ben, what kind of has gone wrong in these games at home for the Vikings this season? Uh, defensive front, you know, that's just been a, a sticking point and a huge, gigantic, bold question mark going into the season. Um, you know, when, when Pierce opts out and um, you, you lose that big guy up front, we kind of wondered and questioned like, okay, can, can we get by with, with the guys that we have? And, you know, we basically moved a three technique to nose. So you're going a little undersized and then, um, you know, you get you you lose, obviously, uh, Daniil Hunter on the outside, and he was actually the, the one thing that he was great at before he was a great pass rusher was stopping the run. That's what he was known for in college was the run stopper, not so much the pass rusher, and that's kind of been flip-flopped, but he's still a good, he's still a good run stopper. We, we lost, you know, a lot, of, a lot of intimidation and a lot of girth and strength up front. And that's really been our Achilles heel the whole the whole year is we are giving up too many yards on first and second down, too many third and manageables. We've given up way too many first downs. And when you've got a depleted secondary and the and the offense can find a little bit of balance and keep our defense on their heels, that's when the big plays happen and that's when points happen. Nine point four yards per play for the Bears offense in this game. I mean I was just like you're talking about all these players that were a part of this team last year, the mainstays on this defense that obviously left in free agency. I was looking up and down the defense in this game and you don't see Eric Hendricks out there. Obviously there's no Daniil Hunter. Uh, Todd Davis is starting at the middle linebacker position with, with Eric Wilson. I mean, literally the only names that you look at are are the Harrison Smiths and and the Anthony Harris's and um, the pass rush again in this game was something that, that just wasn't there. But why was it that the bears were able to, to accumulate so many yards per play? And I mean, nine yards per play that, that number really stands out to me. Yeah. It's because they actually stuck to the run. You know, I, I think that you look at their season and yeah, you can talk about the, uh, the inconsistencies and the lack of performance from the quarterback spot, but I think the the biggest glaring issue for them is they haven't stuck to the run game. You know, going into this week, seven of the top ten teams in rushing attempts were were playoff bound, and and that just tells you that this is a league that still prides itself, and you win by by focusing on the run. And 
this was an offense with the bears that they have a good running back. Um, they, they would get frustrated at times. Um, I think Nagy just thought that we can win by passing the football around and, and that's not how you play true consistent winning football. And so they came in with this mentality today that, Hey, we're, we're going to grind this thing out. We're going to, we're going to win the game in the trenches we know that we're a much more physical team on both our offense and defensive lines. And, um, and we're going to make those guys feel us the whole time. And you get a big, tough running back that doesn't go down on first contact. And that, that just wears on the defense. So um, I, their, their game plan worked out perfectly. And, uh, and they trusted the fact that their guys are going to be tougher than ours. David Montgomery had a career high 146 rushing yards in this game. I mean, one of the plays that stuck out to me was that was that touchdown where he pretty much just barreled through the Vikings linebackers. And and it seemed like not having Eric Kendricks in the middle and this one really cost the Vikings. Would you agree as a, as a former linebacker? Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, and I don't know where the issues were on some of the plays where they couldn't get lined up even before the snap that um, that I, I would feel like because Kendricks is so smart, because he knows and anticipates so well about what the offense is trying to do that maybe you don't have those mistakes in, in just alignment alone. And, and when you don't get aligned and you're, and you're second guessing yourself, even as the play is being snapped, then you're not going to play very fast. You, you are going to play a step behind. And, and that's what it seemed like too often in our defense. And, you know, without him in the middle, understanding how to rock back on some of those zone zone cutback plays, um, you know, even, even going as far back as, is Anthony Barr. You know, I know that Eric Wilson's made a lot of plays, but this is a game that would what that was perfect for an Anthony Barr type of guy that he's basically a, a more athletic defensive end that kind of roams around the middle of the field. And when he gets running downhill, man, he makes people feel him, you know, offensive linemen get tired of him hitting them the whole time. And so he can make an impact physically in the game as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Anthony Barr would have been great, at least for a a spy on Mitchell Trubisky in this game. I want to ask you about the offensive game plan because you talked about it a little bit um, for the Bears offense. And obviously in last game, I I can remember it so well when we talked about when the Vikings were able to really stop this offense at Soldier Field earlier in the season. I believe even Matt Nagy gave up his playing call duties in that game um, because of the struggles that the offense had. And the Vikings – didn't even let them score a touchdown on their side of the ball in that game. So obviously Nick Foles was at quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback in this game. So what was the difference in the kind of play call? Did he kind of return to his gadget type play calling in this game? Is that how you would explain it? Um, I don't think it was necessarily gadgets. It was just, to me, it just, it just looked like a lot of things worked seamlessly there. A lot of their handoffs looked like their play actions and, um, everything was executed to make it look like it was um, it was truly a run, and they just kind of boot out. And I thought Trubisky had a good handle on on making his decisions. Like the ball was coming out fast, you know. When he would boot around, he'd find the first guy, and he wouldn't double tap the ball. He would just get the ball out. So they're more concentrating on picking up first downs, and that's probably just a mantra that they've talked about: is Hey, let's just keep moving the chains. Let's keep moving the chains. Let's be efficient, and um, and not always look for the big plays. The big plays will come, as we saw later in the game with Allen Robinson getting loose a couple of times that, that it's a little bit of a play out of our own playbook that, Hey, let's just go for first downs. Let's just go for the singles and doubles. And we have explosive players on the outside, but let's pick our spots a little more strategically and not try to force the issue down the field. And let's establish everything with the run game. They basically took the blueprint that we, that we talk about offensively and they ran it against us. Yeah. uh, Trubisky had 11 of his 15 completions 
on the play action pass, which kind of is amazing to me uh, because he was 15 of 21 on the game and 11 for 14 in the play action game, which Mike Zimmer um, touched on at the very beginning of his post-game press conference that we didn't play well enough on defense um, in the play action uh, for that Bears offense. But looking at the Vikings offense in this game, I mean, they scored 27 points. Uh, You have an explosive touchdown from Dalvin Cook. Uh, Tyler Conklin comes up with a big play. And obviously Adam Thielen gets his weekly red zone touchdown. So I I honestly, I just want to get your opinion on the Vikings offense in this game because they did do a lot to come back and get back in this game. But when it meant the most, Dalvin Cook said after the game, they didn't do enough. Well, he, you know, he's going to say that because he he knows that their offense has to carry the defense. And so, um, so he, I think he's just being a good teammate. He's being nice. Uh, but it's 27 points you put on a good defense. They, the, the, I have no problem with the offense. We can nitpick about certain plays here and there. And, and certainly I think there was, there were plays that Kubiak would say, ah, I don't know why I was picking that play on that fourth and fourth and one. And then we had another later fourth and one, not exactly the, the right play call. It seemed a little bit too obvious to go with the boot play and they played it perfectly. Um, but you put up 27 points in a good defense that should win you a lot of football games. So I'm not, I'm not really mad at our, at our offense. I, I, I do think that um, they did enough to win. I, I don't like how we, we lack in the physicality department. Um, and we're just not a good matchup for this Bears defense. But again, I, I say all that knowing that they were going to make some plays, knowing that we we're going to get pushed around a little bit. But we put up the points. We put up the necessary points to win the game. The, the defense once again failed this team. 132 rushing yards and a touchdown for Dalvin Cook. Uh, there were over 400 net yards for the Vikings offense, which actually topped the Bears offense in this game. So, I, I mean, I saw this stat from Courtney Cronin, and I, I want to get your opinion on this because it was a really cool stat. Kirk Cousins was pressured on 40% of his dropbacks for the second straight week, the second straight loss. The Vikings are 1-7 in seven when he is pressured at least 30% of his dropbacks this season and 5-1 and one, um, with less than that. I mean, that stat is amazing by her. I don't know how she came up with that stat so quickly after the game, but I just want your take on that. Like, how are the Vikings going forward going to – when you play a team like the Chicago Bears, who you know the pass rushers that they have and Khalil Mack and all these guys – uh, I mean, it, they're not going anywhere. So how do you combat that going forward when you play teams like the Bucks and the Chicago Bears? I, I hate to say it, but I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not biting on the cheese that makes it look like the offense is, is to blame here. Um, the reason why I think a lot of those stats look as bad as they do is because you look at the second half of these games that we're losing, and we're losing. We're one-dimensional. We have to pass the ball. We have to get predictable. We have to be in the drop-back situation. And so what the defenses do, they love to pin their ears back and call blitzes. And not to say that doesn't happen in the first half and when, they, when the game's a little more competitive, but when your defense is giving up as many, as many points as your offense is scoring, that's advantage for the other defense. And, and, and so, yeah, we have some deficiencies. Um, you know, our, our pass protection, especially early in the season, was not good. I think Esther Cleveland has been a nice little addition. I think next year we still have to, we still have to upgrade at the, at the offensive line spot and maybe it might be multiple spots. But Again, those those win losses for the for the percentage of pressures would look differently if our offense or if our defense could stop somebody. 
Yeah, that's why I ask you questions like that, because I think that's really good perspective that you have as, as a former NFL defender yourself. And, and, and you're right. We were trailing for most of the game and the Vikings had to find a way to get back into it. And, and they've done that all season long. They make it a one possession game and then the game goes either our way or it goes the other way, which is pretty much right. the summary of the Viking season, in my opinion. But um, look, I, I want to look forward, and, and it's really hard to look forward when the projections are giving you a 4% chance to make the playoffs at this point. But, I mean, the Vikings have to get ready for a game in a few days on Christmas Day against the New Orleans Saints, which I'm sure the NFL is very upset about the fact that they will probably not be contending uh, for a playoff spot. But, I mean, how do you move forward here in these next few games, Ben? And, and what are you looking for from this team, whether it's just development of some of the younger players or what are you looking to see in the final two games of the season? Well, I, I, I don't know if these, these guys better, better quickly realize um, individually that you have an amazing opportunity on Christmas Day in front of a gigantic national audience to, to be successful and to not be embarrassed. And if you want to start licking your wounds right now and, and, and have this poor me attitude that we're not going to be in the playoffs, that fine. That's, that's acceptable. I'll accept that for, for a day or maybe a day and a half. But um, the fact of the matter is, yes, the game probably is meaningless. Uh, you know, I, you can throw that 4% out the window. I don't, I don't think that this is a playoff bound team, uh, regardless if we win the next two games. Um, so you're playing a meaningless football game on Christmas day maybe from the standings perspective and maybe from a playoff perspective, but you're going to be at a national audience to showcase yourself. So if you need some motivation, that's, that's all it is. It, it is a selfish mentality at this point in time. And so be it. Maybe your selfish mentality actually, actually stops some people defensively and put some points on the board offensively. Um, the, the nation's going to tune in because they want to see Kirk Cousins. They want to see Dalvin Cook. They want to see our, our, our two really special wide receivers. Um, they want to see the star power. And this game is going to have plenty of star power, uh, at, least for, at least for us. And so, um, you know, Vikings fans, I think, are going to be eager to see what we do and how this team looks uh, as, you, as you sit nice and fat and happy on Christmas Day. And, and hopefully we go out there with a, um, a very rusty Drew Brees and, and without Michael Thomas and we pull away a victory and at least feel good about beating a, kind of our arch nemesis these last couple of years. I agree. And I know they are your arch nemesis in those New Orleans Saints. So let's hope we get another win there like we did in the playoffs last year. But I just want to congratulate you, Ben, on making it through this absolutely wild season at U.S. Bank Stadium. And and yeah, we, we are moving forward, hopefully to a brighter 2021 for, for all reasons. Yeah. Thank you, man. This is, this has been great. I know we have a, a couple more games to do these little podcasts, but you've been fantastic. I was, I look forward to, uh, to hearing some of the questions that you have for me because, um, you know, pulling out stats like Courtney Cronin, you really make me think on my toes and it's kind of fun. All right. We are moving along to the second half of the show. We bring in Vikings.com, Cy Amundsen and Gabe Henderson from us bank stadium, a disappointing loss for your Minnesota Vikings and, the head coach really took the blame on the defensive side of the ball following the game in a game which they let over 380 total net yards and over 140 yards to the to the Chicago Bears running back. Let's hear from the head coach on his evaluation of the Vikings defense. Okay, didn't uh, didn't play very well defensively today. Uh, 
you know, last time we played them, they didn't score a touchdown on us defensively. And this week, uh, we couldn't slow them down. Didn't do a good job on the bootlegs. Didn't do a good job in the, in, uh, the run game. And uh, so that was really disappointing. Offensively, I thought we moved the ball well. Um, you know, and special teams was better today. So you heard it there from, from head coach Mike Zimmer. And it's pretty crazy the fact that he kept talking about the play-action pass in this game. And we talked about the numbers earlier on in the show with Ben Lieber, and it's unbelievable that Mitch Trubisky had 11 completions of his 15 on the play-action pass in this game. He was 15 for 21. 11 of those completions came in the play-action. 11 for 14 on the play-action, and we know what David Montgomery did in this game. He had a career high in rushing yards and that staggering run uh, for a touchdown that that bolstered the Vikings defense late in the second half of this game. So, Gabe, when you hear the head coach talk about the play-action pass, I mean, can you kind of break down what he's talking about there and, and, and how the Vikings defense took this big step back at home at this point in the season? Yeah, I think coming into this game, you knew that David Montgomery uh, was a pretty good running back, but only getting 11 carries um, last week, even though he had a 100-yard game, like you, you really didn't have to respect that as much. It was more so, hey, let's let's guard these tight ends. Let's let's, let's make sure uh, Allen Robinson doesn't have a big day and figure everything out. Figure everything else out later. So once David Montgomery started getting, you know, six yards to carry or eight yards to carry, you know, early in the game, the defense had to get sucked. The defense started getting sucked up in the box, and at that point, you know your eyes are in the backfield and Mitchell Trubisky is able to, you know, play action fakes similar to what we do to defenses. You know, we, we run the ball with Dalvin cook and then we get the linebackers in the box, suck them up on the play action fake and then throw over the top. And that's pretty much what we did today. And well, that's pretty much what the Chicago bears did today. And, and we just didn't have an answer for it. You know, a guy like Troy died in the beginning of the game. Um, it, it looked like he got caught on, on three or four play action passes, you know, quick, quick hitters to the tight end. And, his eyes were just in the backfield. And once this Bears defense saw that Troy die, you know, his eyes just weren't disciplined and reading his keys, they just kept attacking him. And when you, when you got a defense that, you know, doesn't really trust themselves and keep keeps on getting beat um, on the same play, uh, it's the NFL where, where if you don't stop it, we're going to continue to keep running those plays. And that's pretty much what the Chicago Bears did today. I mean, they just out-schemed us and if you're the, if you're their offensive coordinator, it's like, hey, you know, Mitch, like, let's keep going to play action fake. Like they have to worry about David Montgomery. Like we've given him the ball. Uh, let's just continue to, to figure out if we can just keep them in the box and throw it over the top. And that was pretty much their their recipe for success today. Sai, Sai, this was a team that literally did not score an offensive touchdown against the Vikings earlier in the season at Soldier Field. Nick Foles was obviously behind center in that game. So was it was it just different with Mitch Trubisky coming off of the best it, game? It was, yeah, it just it wasn't just Nick Foles. I, I actually I'm gonna go the other way on David Montgomery. I, I said this on the Wednesday show. I was extremely concerned about David Montgomery. David Montgomery is a, he's I think broke the second most tackles in the NFL from the running back position this weekend behind our guy Dalvin Cook. This is a defense that hasn't been incredible at tackling running backs this year. I was really worried that he was going to get off early and he did. And once he got off early, you, you have to give a ton of credit to both their O-line, which is monumentally different 
than it was when we saw him last time. And to Mitch Trubisky, who not only executed the play action pass as well, he was just decisive today. And, and the truth is, he was decisive in their win last week. I mean, he had 267 passing yards. He made quick decisions. He played really well. And he came into this game and he just and he came into this game and he was just ready to go at the moment of action. I think a perfect example of that was his decisiveness in in the running attack when he chose to run himself. It was this was this was not a concerned Mitch Trubisky or a worried Mitch Trubisky. This was a confident Mitch Trubisky who was making decisions. And then the Vikings weren't able to execute and, and ever give him pause to question himself. They got rolling early and it, it just kind of never really stopped. Yeah, I, I agree with you right there. I mean, he just, he just seemed like he knew what he wanted to do. I mean, eight, what, he had eight rushing attempts? That's the most that he's had since early last year, I think week 13 last year. And then before then, it was 2018. So you talk about that decisiveness. I think the number one stat that shows that he was decisive and didn't overthink it was the fact that he had eight rushing attempts. And probably five of those, well, six of those came from him just pulling the ball down and just saying like, hey, my first, my one and my two, my first and second progression is just not there. So I'm just going to pull it down and run and get two or three yards here. And be really good on first and second down, and they were they, they were really good on first and second down today. Well, and it wasn't they weren't these weren't these weren't uh, scrambled scrambles. These weren't panicky runs. They were like you said, well executed. Oop, it's not there. It's not there. Boom, go decisive. Go get yards. Break the defenses back. I, I, you're exactly right. Yeah, it seemed like they won the battle in the trenches in this game. Thirty-two rushing attempts. For Montgomery, eight, like you said, for Nick Foles. They were pretty much pounding the rock on us with nine yards per play in this game. Another guy who pounded the rock on 24 attempts was Dalvin Cook, over 130 yards and another rushing touchdown. Let's hear from Dalvin on his evaluation of the offensive side of the ball. Um, it's just one of those games. Um, we just had to put it out. We had opportunity at the end to win it. We just... We didn't win it. Um, I think the defense did a great job of giving us back the ball to win the football game, and we didn't win it. Um, we got we to gotta look ourselves in the mirror and, and go back and fix some things. You know, I think we supposed to finish the game off you know, as an offense, and we didn't do that. So we got we to gotta go back and correct some things and, and get ready for New Orleans. Well, Sai, I'm going to come to you with this one because you hear Dalvin Cook, and, I, I mean, he's a great teammate. He, he takes the blame when blames due, but I mean, th this team scored 27 points against a really good Bears defense. Like, I, I think this is one of the best defenses in the league still. I think they're one of the best pass rush, rushing teams in the league. And I know they were missing some guys in the secondary today, which clearly showed down the field. But do you agree with his evaluation when he says that the, the offense really didn't get the job done in the end? I, I mean, I feel like they were playing from behind for most of this game. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's kind of been the theme throughout the year. This is an offense that is kind of inconsistent at times where it can execute on really high levels and get up and down the field and then not finish drives. It's, a, it's an offense that can look really, really rough for a quarter and a half and then elite for a quarter and a half. So, uh, you know, I, I would say the biggest concern here is the overall consistency. And outside maybe that Lions game, 
I don't know, and I might be missing something here, but I don't know that I've walked away from a lot of games this year feeling like the offense put it together from minute one through minute 60. And, and, and that's probably what he's alluding to. You know, I don't want to dive into his thoughts and put words in his, his mouth at all, but it, it seems like, and you, you heard Zimmer say that coming out of half via the Jen Hale, you know, he was concerned about their inability to punch it in, in the red zone, which they also couldn't do in Tampa Bay, which is something they'd been able to do before the Tampa Bay game. So it's, you've just never really felt like you've put one of those full 60 minute offensive games together this year. And, and that was again, the case today, I thought, despite there being a lot of bright moments. Well, you speak of the red zone and that's what the quarterback spoke about after the game. So let's hear what Kirk Cousins had to say following the tough loss. Yeah, certainly not the way we, uh, you know, wanted to end the, the final home game of the season, but, um, uh, you know, it's a back and forth game. Um, you know, we, we didn't uh, convert enough third downs uh, to really win the game, specifically down in the low red zone. And, um, you know, there are so many plays you can point to and you go back and agonize over. Um, but, um, you know, now we have to get ready on a short week for a, a good football team at, at their place. Uh, so um, that's where your mind goes. But. Uh, We'll take any questions you have. All right, Gabe. Well, Kirk said it. I mean, he feels like the offense really didn't convert in those big moments in the red zone. And I mean, I could think of a few off of uh, just off of the top of my head here. I mean, Irv Smith drops a ball in the end zone, which maybe Cousins faked him out on. I'm not really too sure on that play. Cousins missed a, a wide open Justin Jefferson uh, coming across the field in the end zone, which seemed like some frustration came out following that play. So, I mean, Cousins had a successful game. He had a the touchdown to Tyler Conklin. I, I mean, we I think you called that out on the Friday show this week, Gabe, like about how a tight end was going to make a big play in this game. I mean, he found Adam Thielen in the red zone uh, on a play. So uh, just what is your overall evaluation of, of how this offense performed in the red zone because that was like one of the biggest storylines heading into this game. Yeah, I mean, it was the number four red zone scoring offense versus the number four red zone scoring defense. So coming into this game, you expected the Vikings to, you know, actually try to make, well, not try to, you know, make some plays and be, be decisive, be, be decisive against this team. I mean, the last time we played the Bears earlier this year, I mean, we had two red zone touchdowns. We were two for two in the red zone. So uh, the 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 casual fan would expect the Vikings to to have been pretty successful today, but going back to your point of you know Irv Smith Jr. the drop touchdown, um, BC Johnson is in on, on a on an out route that Adam Thielen didn't come in for. I think Adam Thielen uh, he was looking for a pass interference to play before, and his shoe came off, and it took him two plays to put his shoe on, and then you got Adam Th well you got BC Johnson running the same out route in the red zone that you scored a touchdown against a few weeks back against the Chicago bears. And when you look at plays like that, it's like, dude, what are we doing, man? So they, they just didn't make, make the most of it. This, this, this game. And I, I don't know what, what that is accredited to. Um, I think Kirk played okay. I don't think today was Kirk's uh, best game. I don't think, I mean, we, we've seen Kirk a little more decisive. I'm not going to put all three of those sacks on him, but I think a couple of those sacks you look at him and say, Kirk, you know, just, just throw the ball away, you know, feel that pressure here or there. And I, I think that, that that's a confidence killer. You know, when you, when you get sacked in the red zone and then, you know, you're second and goal or third and goal and trying to, trying to figure out what can we do to get this ball in the end zone. 
I, that, that kills your confidence right there. So I, I don't know what this Vikings team can do. I think the one positive in the red zone today is Tyler Conklin having the red zone touchdown from the 20 yard line. But other than that, it's like, what can we do to continue to figure this out and be successful in red zone, be, be successful in the red zone? Because today it just wasn't a good showing. I tweeted that Tyler Conklin uh, had had a I had a feeling he was going to have a big day and and because he was a guest on Under Center with Kirk Cousins and, and he was talking about waiting for his opportunity and and he just gave me a little retweet so I'm I'm, I'm a little excited about that side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you the last two weeks you, you may have seen what looks like a really bright future at the tight end position. I mean, everybody's been excited about Irv Smith and I think Conklin has been kind of this afterthought as the hybrid blocker can maybe pick up a reception or two. And all of a sudden you're going, wait a second, is this guy as athletic, 3-2, is this guy as athletic as Irv Smith? Can he, like, just the plays that he made on the field today were fantastic. But uh, to go back to your red zone uh, question and to Kirk Cousins' soundbite there, you know, field gets short within the 20. And and like you said, this is a really strong uh, front seven, a really, really talented defensive front seven for the Chicago Bears and a depleted secondary. And we found ourselves numerous times today, not just in the red zone, but goal to go within the 10, but not within the five. So you had that seven, eight, nine yards to go in a really condensed area that a really strong front seven can really make up for the deficiencies of a depleted secondary. So it was a really tough task. And then a lot like last week, I thought the, you know, the pressure came through the offensive line pretty intensely. And when you're playing a front seven, that's that good in that specific situation, if you run it on first down and and get no yards or you run it on first down and then throw an incompletion, incompletion on second down, it's kind of, A lot like when you're, you know, you talk about winning on first down when you're driving down the field so you can give yourself a position to be in good shape on second and third down. That same theory applies to that little golden zone, the 10 yards and in. You got to get something positive. You got to get something moving because that front seven can dominate in a space that's limited because it only goes to the back of the end zone. Well, front seven is the number that that side just said. We're moving on to the by the numbers. And the first number, Gabe, is the number seven. Yeah, the number seven is the number of points the Chicago Bears offense scored in the third quarter. And that you probably looking at it and probably saying like, okay, that's just a touchdown. Well, before this game, the Chicago Bears had only scored one touchdown this year. And that was week six against the Carolina Panthers. Of course, they scored the the kickoff return against us a few weeks ago, but their offense was the worst third quarter offense in the NFL, only averaging 1.8 points uh, per quarter. So I I was saying it all week. If if you win the third quarter, if you stop this offense, the the third quarter, that that gives us the, the, a great opportunity to win. I mean, you can look at it and say, yeah, it's only seven points, but that last drive of the third quarter, that bled into the first play of the, of the fourth quarter where they kicked the field goal. That's 10 points right there uh, to a, a team that that's not known for scoring uh, second half points. So th- that was, that was something that, that, that really stood out to me as far as, okay, what didn't go well or, or what went well for this Vikings team. And I think that was pretty much of a reflection right there. We lose by six points. I mean, that's pretty much a reflection right there of not making the most of the moment. 
You know, it's uh, I'm probably the biggest detractor of Mitch Trubisky you'll ever find. I mean, there ha- there's an unlimited amount of tape of me criticizing, even when he had that really good season a couple years ago. Because my belief with Mitch Trubisky is, if you give him a lead and you take the pressure off him, man, he can really pl- he can really play from the front, right? And I thought going into the second half here, that was really the situation. When you go into the locker room with that nice lead, knowing even if you come out and give up a touchdown, you're still ahead. I think it was a perfect situation for Mitch Trubisky. I think it was a perfect situation for their offense and, and the the you know their adjustments at halftime. They just had to go out and continue to execute because they didn't have to overcome a deficit. So I think a big part of that touchdown in the third quarter and their ability to play better in this third quarter versus the rest of the season was Mitch Trubisky's confidence with the lead and their ability to play from the front in that quarter, where a lot of times this season, they uh, that had not been the case. I think they had 47 rushing yards. Um, David Montgomery had nine carries for 49 yards. So it, it was pretty much those, you know, drive extenders for them. Like they were excellent on third down. They were two for two on third down, just extending drive. So I mean, Mitch Trubisky, this entire O-line, David Montgomery, they, they I mean, they, they had our number when it came to the third quarter today, and they, they put points on the board when they needed to. Yeah, I think Mitch Trubisky is probably one of the biggest hot and cold quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, when he's cold, he's just about as cold as any quarterback in this league. And when he's hot, we've seen it in years past, he's done it to the Vikings where he, he plays confident. Like, with him, the confidence is such a big thing. And that's why when I saw the game that he had against the Texans last week when he threw for three touchdowns, had his best passer rating of the year, I mean, the the red flag started coming up. It, this guy's going to come into U.S. Bank Stadium with something, with a priority on his mind that he wants to win this game. And, Cy, si, I mean, I, I think that's what happened. They, they had the lead from, from the beginning of the game. Yeah, it's, uh, we, you know, not to rehash what we talked about earlier, but it's, you know, it's, it's, he was just decisive today and it was easy to play out in front. I was just going to correct you and say, uh, yes, Mitch Trubisky is a very uh, warm or cold quarterback. I don't know that I'm going to call him a hot or cold quarterback. I don't know that 267 yards last week and a couple hundred this week makes me think that he's setting the NFL on fire, but yes, he's very warm and cold. So you said he's lukewarm and sort of cold. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, lukewarm and icebox. He was he was pretty lukewarm on third down, and and I think that's the next number, Gabe. It's the number fifty. Yeah, number fifty. The it's fifty percent on third down today for the Chicago Bears. I mean, they were six of twelve coming into this game. They were the worst third down conversion offense in the NFL, averaging about thirty one percent in that statistic and. You know, coming into this game, we were, you know, 13th best third down defense and, you know, giving up that kind of, um, you know, giving up that kind of efficiency on defense. I, I, I've i always said, if you win a third down battle, I mean, of course you got to be good on first and second down, but if you win a third down battle, you give yourselves a really good chance to win the game. And I mean, they extended the drive. They extended, the, they extended a lot of drives. They were, I mean, you talked about it, talked about it in the beginning. Mr. Trubisky was efficient. He was decisive. And I think that six of 12 number uh, is a pretty good showing of how the Chicago Bears offense was today when it came to third down. Yeah, not to harp on a point that we've harped on all year, but, you know, it's another close margin of error football game. 
football games like that come down to third down completions and third down conversion rates. And you just heard our quarterback talk about uh, his feeling about how we executed in those positions. And, uh, you know, that was definitely the story of the game here. That and honestly, fourth down conversion rates. Yeah, over two on fourth down. Oh, my gosh. The last number is 34. Yeah, I, I got to talk a little positive here just to end the show. So 34 is the percentage of what the tight ends made up today of Kirk, Kirk Cousins passing yards. So, of course, Kirk Cousins, 271 passing yards. The tight ends had eight catches today for 94 yards and a touchdown. And that is the second most combined yards we have had this year from the tight end position. The first was last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with 103 yards and a touchdown. Ersmith Jr. and Tyler Conklin are the two guys that I'm talking about when I'm talking about tight ends. Of course, we know Kyle Rudolph is out, but I think we found some success with Tyler Conklin and Ersmith Jr. I think that is one of the positives that this Vikings team can take away, not only for this game and last game, but for this second half of the season. Like his, his resurgence, well, his – his ascension um, at the tail end of the season, starting with the last Chicago Bears game, has been uh, really fun to watch. I'm talking about Tyler Conklin. It's been really fun to watch, especially stepping up in moments where he had to fill in for Kyle Rudolph or Ersmith Jr. earlier this year. So I think we're set there, and I think that 34% pretty much tells you that, hey, you know, we, we have other playmakers on the field outside of Justin Jefferson, Adam Dillon, and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I think that's been the hard part about this season. Kind of one of the sneaky hard parts is you see all this potential and you see all these uh, performances of these young guys stepping up. Of course, everybody knows about Justin Jefferson, but Ezra Cleveland had a nice couple weeks there when he first jumped in. The cornerbacks, Dantzler, again, another really big interception today. Gladney continues to progress. It's such a weird feeling to see these guys, as, as you said, Gabe, kind of ascending and then still not quite getting the win. Still not, you know, Mike Zimmer talks about, I can't remember what the term he uses for it, Corso, but it's like the four learns of football. Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that came a few years back. And I think that's when he was building the first team. And now I feel like we're, we're, we're back. <laughs> we're back on a few steps of that four learns of football. <laughs> And one of them is you have to learn, I think, I mean, I'm paraphrasing and somebody will probably tell Learn how to win. Learn. Yes. Yeah, yep. And then you learn how to be a champion. And, it, you know, I think that's been one of the, the tougher parts of this season as a fan is, you know, you see all this youth potential and you see guys have great games and big moments. And then, you know, you see, for example, Irv Smith drops that really important pass in the end zone let's even go back to you know one of the league's young stars Justin Jefferson in that Cowboys game who has been you know not just a bright spot a you know 10,000 candle spotlight style bright spot for this team this year and he had that crucial drop on that final drive so it's I, I think as as much as people like to poke and uh, kind of joke around on Twitter and stuff about Zimmer's learns of football you kind of see it in action right now and and uh you know hopefully we can just finish this season strong here and a lot of these guys can start to take those steps because i think the team has a really bright future bright future indeed and if you're into scoreboard tracking 
with about a 4% projection to make the playoffs. You'll, you'll be watching that Arizona Cardinals game as we speak in which um, the Eagles are down six points at the moment. And obviously the Bears are going to have to lose some games as well for the Vikings to have any prayer at a playoff this season. But obviously a tough game for the Vikings. And I, I just want to say in my six seasons here, every even year, the Vikings have not made the playoffs and finished around 500. And every odd year, we find a way to just have a miraculous season, whether it's a 13-3 and season with Case Keenum or making it to the NFC Championship game. And obviously last year, uh, making it um, to, a, to a game against the San Francisco 49ers uh, deep into the playoffs. So That's hopefully odd. there are things on the horizon, Gabe, after completing your first season at home at U.S. Bank Stadium today. Yeah, uh, I hope just a lot fans. of bright futures. Yeah, I hope there are just fans here next year. I feel like I was robbed of like a normal year. Um, I feel like we would have been, in, and this is just me just, you know, being optimistic and I don't know the word for it, but I feel like if we had fans this year, a lot of those close games, we would have pulled out. Like the, the t- Tennessee Titans game, the Cowboys game, this game, I and mean, that's three wins right there. Where I feel like you, you just need that extra juice. I was telling um, Mark Rosen today when we were watching the game, that this week felt like week one. Like there was literally no energy in that building today. Like it was just, I mean, the team came out flat. You you just, you just felt it. You just felt it was just like, all right, well, here we are, another game. Let's figure this thing out and and go from there. But like you said, there are a lot of positives to take away from this season. Um, This, I mean, the season's not over, but there are a lot of positives to take away. I mean, you got so many different young guys. I mean, Cameron Dancer with, with the pick. I mean, I think that's how, People will fans will remember Cameron Dantzler this year at home that that last interception uh, today. I mean DJ Wanham's going to be a stud. I mean we're getting our guys back next year. I mean look at the guy Jeff Gladney. I mean he's coming along. There are so many positives you can take away from this past season. But I was robbed of the full uh, U.S. game day experience, U.S. Bank game day experience. Yeah, Gabe, I, you know, for your sake, I, I think it'll be great to see fans in the stands next year and for you to get to experience U.S. Bank Stadium, which is an absurd place uh, when it's rocking. But the other side of that is, I mean, the fact that we've gotten through an NFL season to this point, the fact that every game, now some of them have been pushed a little bit, but that the league hasn't had to cancel a single game. And yes, it's a bummer to not have fans in the stand, but I got to be honest, the optics of the NFL, the way the game looks on television, it looks and feels the exact same way as it does in a normal season, minus a little bit of noise, which you can't say for the NBA, you can't say for the NHL. And so, uh, well, I also look forward to our fans being back in the stands. If if we get through these next couple of weeks and, and through the playoffs, I'm also very thankful uh, that we've all gotten to watch the team and do our jobs this year because I, I think that was anything but a guarantee, especially early on. Hey, full disclaimer, Sai is not walking down an alley right now as he is talking. <laughs> <laughs> He's in his basement with his wonderful dog that we that we get to hear and meet. But uh, thank you, guys. And, and like I said, the season's not over. We have a few games left, and we will continue to look for the development of a lot of these young players with a game coming up on Christmas Day, which if you can't get up for a national audience like that against a, a rival of, of the years past in the New Orleans Saints, I don't know what you can get up for. So um, we'll look forward to that game on Friday on Christmas Day as the Vikings head to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and take on the New Orleans Saints. 
But for now, that'll do it for the Vikings.com postgame report. For Ben Lieber, Cy Amundsen, and Gabe Henderson, we will see you next week.